It's good to be here and to speak on this word, this amazing word from John's Gospel. Uh, this is part of a series of uh, talks following the way of Jesus. And right at the start, uh, I want to just suggest that this way is, is countercultural in the society in which we live. Not just because we believe in a story, a particular person, but it's a way of life. It's a way of life where we seek to listen. I'm sure we could listen more. Certainly I could. But we are listening, aren't we, for the promptings of the Holy Spirit. We're guided by the Holy Spirit. We're disciples of Jesus Christ. And this is an every moment. It's not just Sunday morning. It's every moment. And when we engage with our friends and people we meet from different churches and those who don't yet go to church, uh, we meet many brilliant people, the passions of life, fascinating people. So it's an interesting uh, lifestyle. The I Am Sayings, these, these series are on. The I Am Sayings are seven sayings. We're going to revise them in a minute. Stand by. Okay. But the I Am Sayings are seven sayings that John records in his Gospel. And they are a description, an action, and then a consequence. So for, t- for today, I am the light of the world. Follow me, action, you never walk in darkness, consequence. Can you see the pattern of the I am sayings? And they're great. I was talking to an athlete recently, a young girl actually, who's in the England, the Great Britain handball team. She's goalie. And she lives uh, in, in Bosnia, uh, where her parents are on mission. And she's going to English school there, and I'm giving her some lifestyle advice. It's an amazing thing over Skype to do that. And the last thing that she said is she wanted help to reconnect with her faith. Because in this country she went to a youth church, but in Bosnia there was no church. And so we talked about that, and I'm going to send her some ideas. But what I did say to her in an email following is, look at the I am sayings. It's a great way to uh, just understand what the Lord uh, is saying and offering to us. So, we'll just do a quick revision of the I am sayings. Are you ready? Okay, so the first one is Bread of Life. Which chapter? John 6, John 6.35. And it's bread of life, believe in me, you will never be hungry. Okay, those are those three. Then we'll just, uh, so tonight, t- today is light of the world. Eight. Eight, twelve, thank you, very good. Well done, Haynes. Okay, well done there, boy. <laughs> so, eight, twelve, light of the world, follow, never walk in darkness. Ten, nine is I am the gate, I am the gate. If you come into me, you will be saved. So enter through me, you will be saved. Okay, that's 10, 9. 10, 14, and 16 is the good shepherd. Thank you. Okay, so if you know me, there will be one flock. Okay, eleven twenty-five. Haynes again is the resurrection. Well done, well done, Haynes. And the very good, okay. Believe in me. And you will live. Okay, now Haynes, no more from you, thank you. You've done very well today. Okay. <laughs> so 14.6 is the way, the truth, and the life. Okay, believe, you will meet the Father. And then 15, the seventh is, I am the vine. And when we remain in him, that's our action, we will bear fruit. 
So they're, they're a great series of sayings, and it's worth looking them up. I, I look at them quite often. Today, anyway, today, light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's interesting to wonder, isn't it, what they mean by light. And we want to think about that. It, it's, but there's darkness, of course. We know there's darkness. There's physical darkness. I want to read to you a psalm, Psalm 139. Uh, you'll know these words very well, but the psalmist writes, uh, even the darkness, if I say, surely darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. So here's the psalmist saying that in human terms, yeah, of course there'll be times of darkness in that part of the world. If you think of a world uh, pre-street lights and house lights and electricity and torches and whatever, then in that part of the world too, as well, when dust comes, it comes quickly. So they'd be familiar with that. They'd be familiar with that. They'd be familiar with how the activities of the day cease, and you'd end up in the evenings, probably around campfires in the gloaming, really, uh, talking to each other, telling stories. But in human life, there was a clear sense of darkness. But here we have, I believe, a divine divine meaning. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness will have the light of life. We talk, don't we, about shedding light on a situation. It's that sense, surely, of light we're talking about here. Light the way. We see the light when when describing uh, an issue that we've finally understood. So, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. And then the rest of this passage, what do we see? Well, we see... I think a, the contrast between the human way of thinking of things and the divine way. And we've got two eras. We've got what was happening then, as John describes in the reading we had, and also we can reflect what is the equivalent now today. So, for example, then we had the Pharisees opposing him, being argumentative. The Jews opposed to what he was doing, the change he was bringing in. Now, what do we have? Well, we're living in a very secular society in this country, an intentionally secular society. We have discarded the Christian foundations of our society. People talk about this as the post-Christendom era. We also have aggressive secularists, like Dawkins. There aren't many of them, actually, in my experience. There aren't many convinced atheists when the chips are down, but there are some who will go out of their way to try and disprove Christianity. But more importantly, I think for us, we have in our society now those people who have lost their heart, lost their motivation. Acedia is uh, an old-fashioned word describing uh, a lack of drive, a spiritual carelessness that people have. And many people we have, I think, have that in our society. It's also an area where we become vulnerable to spiritual attack. If we're spiritually careless, then we don't have our ears tuned to those things that come in and intentionally distract and take us away. So, today, the equivalent, the secular world, aggressive secularists, and uh, this carelessness, spiritual carelessness. Going back to then, what do we hear John recording? Well, we hear the Pharisees saying, hang on, hang on a minute, for testimony you need two witnesses. And Jesus replies, yes, and that's me and my father. 
That's his answer, his divine answer to the human critique. Where is your father? They say, probably quite grumpily. And Jesus says, if you know me, if you believe in me, you will know my father. The divine answer. Where is he going? Is he going to kill himself? Who are you? The Pharisees say. And Jesus says, think differently. You are thinking like people below. I'm talking about a lifestyle above. This whole invitation through Jesus Christ to be in touch again with God, our Creator Father. And so what about now? What's going on now? Why is it that people can't believe? I think this is a good question. Because we have to look at ourselves. What is going on now? There is such a crowd of witnesses to our faith. Faith is so important. And you can categorize the evidence for faith in scripture, traditional reason, and experience, the value of testimony or God's story, and also our own experience, honestly considered. It's very good to remind ourselves of the last moment where we had a real sense of the presence of God, and take ourselves back there. I was talking to a student recently who's had a profound, and she's at somebody of faith, she came to Malawi last year, in fact, with a mission trip, and she has got a remarkable faith. And through her preaching, her father has come to faith. And she's described to me last week an amazing influence she's having with her family, which is quite disjointed. And she was saying, I'm feeling a bit spiritually dead at the moment. And I said, come on, you've just had a high. Of course there could be times where the Holy Spirit gives you a rest. <laughs> you, got, you blow up, you had all the time. And just so I said to her, go remind yourself, go back to that time, remind yourself, but now rest and read the promises again, be restored. So I'm just saying that to you, there's such, an exp- there's such an evidence for faith, scripture, tradition, reason and experience. I think we have to ask, what is going on? Why is it that people find it so hard to understand? People are hurt. Some people feel profoundly excluded by the church. There are some people who are seeking and know the Lord, but find they can't come in. And so, today, what do we do? How do we counter that? How does the Lord, how does the Holy Spirit counter that? Well, surely it is about telling the Jesus story, telling the truth of Jesus Christ. Our last comparison, the two eras, then, what does Jesus say to them at the end of the reading we had? Jesus looks ahead for them, doesn't he? At the end of the reading we heard, Jesus looks ahead and says, when you have lifted up the Son of Man, then you will know. Jesus is speaking to them before he is crucified. He's saying, when I have been crucified, when I have done the salvation plan, then you will know. Remember what Luke records, the centurion saying, when he witnesses the moment of Jesus' death, Matthew 2. The centurion says, surely this man was the son of God. So that is then. What do we have now, 2,000 years later, we're in a different time span, aren't we? And we have this great cloud of witnesses to help us believe, to strengthen our faith and help us to, to tell others. Light of the world. We are to go on telling the story clearly the truth, 
Jesus is the one truth in a world of uncertainties. Jesus is the one truth. Even questions about faith are faith positions, aren't they? If somebody's asking about Jesus Christ, they're wondering, and that's the start of faith. I believe humanity is crying out. I'm going to conclude with a picture which you will know. And it's the Holman Hunt. Jesus Christ, the light of the world. I'm going to use it in the next service if there's a young person's moment. Because it's a great picture. In Keble College, Oxford, it stands. It's a great picture of Jesus standing at a door with the light of the world. I am the light of the world. And he's knocking on the door. And the power of the picture is that if you look at the door closely, there is no handle. You know this. There's no handle. And the power of the picture is to say all the time, I am the light of the world. I'm knocking. If you open the door, if you open the door, I will come in and I will sit and I will eat with you. Now, that was the verse that I was given when I was 12, when I made my first child confession of faith. It's a verse that's not just for new people, people starting to believe. It's a verse for us all in tough times. Jesus is always knocking. And it's a remarkable moment just to imagine you go to the door, open the door, and he comes in and he will embrace you. And he will sit and he will eat with you and speak to you words of peace and encouragement. I am the light of the world. Believe in me and you will never walk in darkness but have the light of life.